Um, it is great to be with you here today. Have you noticed how much some people just like to argue? No, I mean, like, seriously, have you, have you ever realized how much people like a good controversy, right? Like a juicy story, like, you know, it's just fun to argue. Like, I don't know. I'm not really one of those people. Maybe we have some arguers in the room today, some people who just want to fight about stuff. One person who's honest, one person who's honest. Um... Like reality TV, isn't it just like based on people who want to fight? Like every Monday night, I realize that. I'm not even going to tell you what show that is. But yeah, it's, it's always, yeah, you're figuring it out now. I know what that is. How about, how about this picture? I found a picture that reminded me of something. Do you remember that picture? Yeah, yeah. It's like the... The blue dress. Okay, so for those of you who may forget, this was an image that was circling around the Internet probably like, what, three years ago, something like that. And when you look at it, you see a dress, but certain people see a certain color in that dress. So if you remember, there's another image here, actually. Oh, there you go. Some people saw it as a gold dress, and some people saw it as a blue dress. And this was this was controversial, wasn't it? This this was like a thing to divide people about. Like, are you are you in the gold camp? Do you really think that's a gold dress? Because if you think it's a gold dress, then I know something about your family and I know something about the way you think, and I can just put you in the gold person category, right? Everything could be explained because of the way you think about it's a gold dress. Or if you're a blue dress person, vice versa. And, I mean, we still, we still argue about things all the time, like cars and clothes and paint colors and sports. We have any sports fans here today? Maybe you argue about some sports, like what team is the best team? No, go Dallas. I'm kidding. I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan, but I was just illustrating my point. Sometimes we argue about politics. We argue about religion. What about in the church? What do we argue about in the church? What's controversial in the church? I'll tell you what I remember being controversial in the church and arguing about. Drums. Drums. Drums are controversial. I mean, they still kind of are, but I remember a day, maybe you do too, when it was like the thing. Like the drum was like, like a creation of Satan himself. And you were inviting the drum into the holiest place of God. And how could thouest useth said instrumenteth? Even though symbols were in the Bible, they were in the Bible. It was a big controversy. But did any of these controversies make anyone better? Did they ever change anybody's mind, really? Did they ever make us know more, make us learn more? 
bring us to a better understanding of what truth really is, how we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to know. Or are all these just about winning? I found a great quote that I wanted to share with you guys from Ronald Gordon. He says, in the heat of controversy, men and women may lose sight of the great principles for which they have been contending. In the heat of controversy, men and women may lose sight of the great principles for which they have been contending. Is that resonating with any of you here today? You know, we're continuing in a series that we titled, What Counts? What Counts? We want to do things that count, don't we? We want to do things that matter. We want to do things that make a difference. We don't want to waste our time. We don't want to talk about things that don't really matter or have no consequence. We want to understand what counts. And see, in the letter to Timothy that Paul wrote, there are a lot of great things that we can identify as what counts. And so the collection of these talks over these five weeks are trying to unpack in a brief amount of time just some of these things that can redirect us to really know and believe and follow and do what counts in life. See, um, being a church leader is sometimes tiring. And um, I don't mean that sarcastically, just as truth. And Timothy was a church leader. Timothy was a young man in the first century who was tired. And he needed some encouragement. He needed to be lifted up. He needed a guiding light. And for him, that was Paul. And Paul had commissioned Timothy to be a leader in the church in Ephesus, to guide this new group of Christians, to add more to their numbers by spreading this message of Jesus. But being a church leader in Ephesus wasn't easy because there was a lot of controversies. There was a lot of disagreements. There was a lot of people from various different traditions and practices that were coming in to make up this new community. And Timothy was left with, how am I supposed to weed through it all? How am I supposed to understand what really counts? So Paul writes. One of those things that Paul writes about is teaching. Teaching. Teaching counts. Simply put, teaching is the act of passing on what one has learned. Teaching is the act of passing on what one has learned. And we have to remember that in this early church, there was no playbook. It was kind of learn as we go. And these letters that Paul wrote to Timothy became not only important for that first church, but are important for us today. So if you have a Bible, I just invite you to take that out. If you have an app on your phone, go ahead and do that. We're going to read some scripture here together this morning from the book of 2 Timothy. The book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. And before we jump into that, I do want to just take a moment as a quick aside to let you know that we hope that you're reading these letters on your own, okay? We hope that 
Bible reading and devotions are part of your daily, even your daily life with God. And so if you're reading through First and Second Timothy, we want to make sure that we're resourcing you well. We want to let you know that you may have come across some things about women in ministry. And so we wanted to let you know what Hope believes and to give you some more material. We're not going to really talk long about it today, but just to let you know that we believe on this topic of teaching at Hope that women, just like men, are called and equipped to teach and to pastor. So our own Randy Peterson has written an article. Randy's right over here if you want to, like, take him out to lunch even. Um, he'll, he'll take it. He'll, you know what I mean? I mean, I would go if you invited me out to lunch. Actually, I'm busy. But anyways, no, Randy, <laughs> Randy has written an article for, for you, for us, to understand, to teach on this subject. If you want to learn more about it, it's going to be in the lobby as you guys leave today. All right? So 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 14. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus, and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. God, we thank you for your precious and holy and wonderful word. We thank you that it is a light to our path and that it is truth to our lives. And that it tells us, Lord, about who you are and who you want us to be. So as we take these few moments together to study your word, to learn it, to apply it, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be in this place. We ask that you would encourage our hearts. We ask that you would even convict our souls. That, God, we could follow you where you lead. Amen. So again, teaching is a topic that we see in this passage and throughout these letters to Timothy. Often we see something called false teaching. Again, this came from a place where there were all these different types of people coming together, all these different assumptions, all these different traditions, whether they were Romans or Greeks or Jews or pagans. People were bringing all these things into the church. And one of the things that was coming up that gives some context for us in this passage is a teaching called Gnosticism. Gnosticism was a belief that the acquiring of knowledge was most important, specifically secret knowledge. And that really our material bodies and the material world wasn't important. It was heavily influenced by Greek philosophy. And this type of teaching was something that Paul often talked against. Sometimes we don't know why Paul wrote the things we did. We actually have to infer because he spoke about something, this must have been a problem. But in this passage, we know what's actually talking about. 
He's talking about getting into conversations and knowledge and having a controversy for no reason at all. Just sharing mere words. Just going through the motions. And he actually calls it a catastrophe. He says this type of teaching is not helpful at all. It's not rooted in any type of changed life whatsoever. It's just a bunch of people who want to argue. See, Paul knew that this was not good. This was only going to divide. This was only going to bring ruin, catastrophe to this community. Because he knew that teaching is powerful. Teaching is powerful. Words are powerful. We need to watch the words that we use. They have power. We have to leave the right results. You see, one of the reasons why teaching is so powerful is because it leads us to what we believe. It leads us to what we believe. Yeah, every person on this planet has beliefs. Some people might tell you, I don't really believe in anything. I don't really believe in what you're saying. I don't really have any type of faith or belief in my life. It's just not true. It's just not true. Beliefs give structure to our life. What we believe defines our identity. What we believe about ourselves. Who I am. Who I am. What we believe defines our identity. But not only that, what we believe, it leads to our actions. The way we treat people. The way that we think is right versus wrong. What we believe also gives our purpose in life. So what we believe is really important. And the thing is, if we say that we don't have beliefs, perhaps what we're doing is saying, I just really haven't asked myself those questions before, and I don't really know what I believe. That's probably possible, isn't it? I mean, has what you believe ever gone against what you've done? Like, you might say that I believe that love is important, but sometimes I just don't do it. Or you might say that, you know what, I really believe that we need to save money. Yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. We should do that. And, and you don't do it. Or I don't do it. Or we don't do it. But not only that, sometimes the truer thing is that we say that we believe in something, but really who we are and our actions display that we actually believe in something else. How about this? How about let's just say that you're down at the Cross Keys Airport. I don't know if you know where the Cross Keys Airport is, but it is a long way away from here. And you're going to go skydiving, right? Who would go skydiving? 
y'all crazy. You're going to go skydiving, and you're going through your pre-skydiving checklist. And you put on your parachute. And you say, to, yeah, man, this is going to be good. This is, I, I think I can handle this, right? Right? And I'm going through my checklist, and I, I know the cord I'm supposed to pull on, and I got my little altimeter. I don't even know what that means. You know, like, you're good to go. I believe that this parachute is going to save my life. I mean, I'm standing on the ground. I'm standing on the ground. But this parachute, I believe it. It's going to save my life. That's a totally different experience than when you're falling through the sky at 5,000 feet with nothing below you or above you anymore, because that plane's long gone, except this parachute that's on your back. Pulling that cord and saying, I believe this is going to save my life, is a totally different experience, isn't it? Isn't it more real? That's more real, right? When my life is on the line, man, that experience is way more real than me just standing on the ground. The same thing is true about belief. Belief has power, so much power. And not just belief in ourselves about who we are and what we do, but Paul is addressing what do we believe about Jesus? Even more, what do we believe about Jesus? Who was Jesus' identity? What was Jesus' purpose? What did Jesus do? What was his actions? So Hymenaeus and Philetus, these aren't just vain controversies, right? This is like serious stuff. They're messing with people's minds here. They're affecting people's faith by what they say. What do they say? They say that, that there is no resurrection. Jesus didn't rise from the dead. It's not true. It didn't happen. Or it's already happened. Meaning that there's no more resurrection, bodily resurrection for us. That's, that's, that's nothing to believe in. That's not right. You should believe that it's already happened. You see how that can mess with your faith and mess with your community and change about what you're about and what matters, what counts. And so, what does count? What kind of teaching counts? What kind of teaching matters? Now, there's a lot of things we could say about that. But I want to focus on a passage that Paul writes earlier in this letter. And he says in verse 14 that we already read, remind them of these things. Remind the people of these things. But I want to jump back even a little bit further. In 2 Timothy, verse 8, Paul says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And which now has been manifested through the appearing 
of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He brought life and light eternal through the gospel. Kind of sounds different than what these other two teachers were leading people to believe. Friends, there is a core of what we believe. I believe this is it. And there's three things in this passage that I just want to lift up quickly for us today. Number one, we believe the gospel. Gospel means good news. That something good has happened that we've heard about that we got to tell others. The gospel is the power of God. The gospel is saying that we believe, that we teach, that it is not found in our own power or our own wisdom or our own ways of thinking, but that it is God's power that saves. That God has given us victory over anything we might think stands in our way. That God is more powerful than politics. God is more powerful than disease. God is more powerful than disillusionment and disappointment and depression. And God is more powerful than armies and nations. And God is more powerful than anything that we could face. That is our belief. That's what we teach. That this gospel is not an accident. That this gospel is planned. That it is promised. That it's part of God's design. This is really helpful because sometimes we can feel alone. We can feel like we're just the sum of our successes and failures. Like we're not connected to anything else. But that's not what the good news of Jesus Christ teaches. It teaches us that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. The third thing is that death is defeated. I mean, we sang about that this morning. Death is defeated. The king is alive. We don't need to fear our death. Nor those who find themselves in Jesus Christ. Death is defeated and life is eternal. Paul's saying, no, Hymenaeus, the resurrection is real. The resurrection is true. The resurrection is for us. It's for you. It's for me. It's not just about Jesus. It's for us as well. In the message translation, verse 11, it says that this is the message. It's kind of ironic that it's called the message translation, don't you think? This is the, right after he says all this, the translator of the message says, this is the message. This is the message. This is the gospel. This is the truth. This is what we teach. This is what we're about. This is the story we have to tell. So sometimes we just got to ask ourselves, what are we arguing about? What are we arguing about? 
have we somehow made something else the main thing? And have we forgotten the core of what it means to be a church and to be a Christian? For I know whom I have believed and I am convinced. Are you convinced of these things? What do you want us to be known for? If you could tell anyone about what it means to be a Christian, what would you tell them? Often, friends, they think things that aren't the gospel. Have you found that to be true? Their idea of what Christians teach is not the gospel. It's not, it's not what we're known for. We're, we're known for something else. And so if, if for anything, this talk today is to remind us that we have like an ability to change that. You might not think that way. I might not think that way because we're just like one person in like eight billion. But we do. We have a power to change what someone believes about God. Because if the gospel is true for you, it's not just God's story. It's your story my story. It's our story. And the question that we would ask ourselves is, do we have a story to tell? I was recently listening to um, a sermon, and this pastor said it really well, and I'm going to quote him. Ben Stewart said, we champion what has changed us. We champion what has changed us. We get confidence when we are convicted. This happens a lot with the people that I listen to about, like, how to take care of your body. I try to take care of my body, and I tend to fail at taking care of my body uh, in a couple ways. Number one, I enjoy food. And I eat too much of it. But when you find a diet, a lifestyle of eating that works for you and you have a change in your life, you probably really actually go up to somebody and tell them, right? Like, then again, there are all those annoying people who just like flaunt it all over them, whatever. But I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the people who say, listen, this really worked for me. I don't eat carbs, and I'm like 100 pounds. And then, you know, they're like, okay. You know, your friend's like, maybe I'll try not to eat carbs. Yeah, let's do it together. Woo! Maybe it's like working out, right? I, I do work out. You might not think that by looking at me, but I do from time to time. And you might, like, discover, like, this new routine, right? Like, uh hot yoga, which sounds terrible. That doesn't sound good at all, right? But, like, if I did hot yoga and I was, like, 
you know, really not like this, right? I would have a story to tell, right? Now, I'm using humor to emphasize a point. But the truth is, is that we champion what has changed us. That it just happens. It's not like a thing you have to think about. It's not like a program you have to, like, learn. It's not like, how am I going to tell people about it? It's your story. You got a story. Jesus changes your life. The gospel changes your life. You have a story. So, will we be known for our love to Jesus? What are we going to be known for? We all have an opportunity to be known for people who make great and magnify Jesus. And so I'm going to invite the band up, and we're going to sing together. We're going to sing a song that I think is a great depiction of the good news of Jesus Christ. And I just want you to think as we sing, because I think we could do both at the same time. I want you to think about the way that Jesus has changed your life. The way that you heard about this good news. I want you to let God remind you of how important what Jesus has done is. That our God would love us so much he wouldn't leave us. He wouldn't leave ourselves to our own mistakes and our own sins and our own destruction. And he wouldn't leave this world that way either. That he would come and make himself known through Jesus Christ and say, this is who I am. This is the God who's created you. This is the God who sustains you. This is the God who loves you. And that Jesus would die for us. And that he would rise again for us. That we would have hope. That we would be changed. That we could be part of telling his story.